this is truly our prayer this morning, that you would fill us with your heart, that you would reveal to us once again who you are. Lord, that we would build our lives on nothing else but the sure foundation of your love for us. Lord, when you look at us, Father, you love us, Lord. You desire for us to be aware of that love, and you made it so clear through the message of your Son that you have sent so that the distance between us and God could be breached by the love of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, you again, by your Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit and through your Word, come and confirm the love that you have for us once again, Lord. That we would build on no other foundation but this, that God is love. And because he first loved us, he sent his Son, so that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God's so love that He gave. It's your love that motivates us. It's your love that moves us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room and that we as a church community, Lord, would find that again as the center. If it feels like an abstract thing for our hearts and our souls this morning, come by your Spirit and help us. Help us to be aware of the love that you have for us. We ask this in faith, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. As we have just sang, and as we open the word, and as we're going to speak about vision this morning, I want you to understand something, that at the foundation, Christ is our vision. Christ is our vision. Him and Him alone. He is our vision. No one else, nothing else. And we can conjure up visions and come with great ideas. But at the essence of being church community, of being Christian community, Christ alone is our vision. And we're going to speak about our specific prophetic vision this morning. But to help us, we have to see where this all starts in a chapter before. And I want to read to you the last servant song out of the book of Isaiah. There are four servant songs in the book of Isaiah that speaks about Jesus, the servant. Isn't that beautiful? A God who comes to serve. A king who comes to bring with humility his kingdom, not with force. He comes to serve. And there's four servant songs, and the last one stretches over Isaiah 52 and 53 and then it sets up what I believe is the word of God for us as a church. Yes, over generations since the kingdom has come, but yes, very specifically for us as a congregation this morning. What we do as a church is we follow Jesus. He is our vision. We walk together with our eyes on him, not on man, not on leader, but on Jesus. And then we do it together. Every now and again, we look to our left and our right, and what do we see? We see people who's got Jesus as their vision in front of them. So I want to take a moment and use the words of this servant song in Isaiah to put your vision on Jesus again. Speaks about Jesus, the servant. See, my servant will prosper. 
He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know that he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet, it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yes, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep in silent before the shearers. He did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin... He will have many descendants. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. Is Christ still your vision? When last did you just consider that he didn't even contest When all the sin of the world was laid upon him, going to the cross. And for us as every nation held a book, let it be known that Christ is our vision and him alone. And this morning as we speak about our prophetic vision as a church, I want to title my message, A Christ-Centered Vision. (laughs) It's as simple as that. We follow Jesus. We follow him. We don't follow a strategic plan. We don't follow a good idea. We follow Jesus and we do it together. And as we do that, we will see a diverse church of devoted disciples who demonstrate God's kingdom in their homes, their community, and beyond to the ends of the earth. Everything we are is because of him. And therefore our vision rests in this servant Jesus who has come to rule our hearts with grace 
and humility. So as I said, this last servant song in Isaiah 53 grows into the next chapter of Isaiah 54. And we're going to be looking at three verses this morning, which I believe is a very particular moment in prophetic vision for us as a church. This is a word that's been shared over every nation. Some is a West back in the day, but now Haldeburg over some years. But lately we've been sensing as a leadership, as an eldership, as a team, that this is a now word for us. So let's read together the first few verses of Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have been not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations." And will people the desolate cities. There's two movements in this prophetic utterance. And all of this is based because of what Jesus has done. And for us to understand how we apply it today. Because of the story of Israel and the new covenant of Jesus. We've got to understand how do we read Old Testament prophecy in light of today. And the easiest way to explain it to you is like this. It's from the old covenant through the new covenant into today's society. God has always been sharing the same message to his people all along. And in the old, in the people of Israel, he's been saying this for a very specific reason. But then Jesus in the new comes and he fulfills all the prophetic utterances. But today we as his church can look back and we can see our own story unfold in this message of God. These verses start with the word sing, O barren one, sing before you see the breakthrough. Sing and praise while it feels like you've been forgotten by God. Who's the barren one in this moment? Well, God is speaking to his people. He's speaking to his people, Israel. He's particularly speaking here to the city of God, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, which all represents the place where God's people will dwell together. And he says to that space, that place, sing, praise, lift your voices, because fruitfulness is coming. Fruitfulness is coming your way. A particular word in that time and that season for the restoration that God wants to bring to his people, Israel. And they thought it's going to look a certain way. Because even when Jesus was heading back to heaven, his disciples still thought Israel will be restored. And he said, no, no, no. That restoration is coming when the fullness of my kingdom comes. So when we read this, we realize that there's still a promise today for us. We are still effectuating this prophetic word when we think about the city of God, the people of God personified through us, his church. We've got to understand that in the Old Testament, land and place was important for the movement of God's people. But that has now been upgraded to kingdom. It's not a land and place anymore. It has now become kingdom. And in the same way, temple 
or Zion has now become the church. So when God speaks about the land, the promised land, when he speaks about the things to come, he's speaking about his kingdom that's coming to this earth. We cannot read it just with an Old Testament lens. We've got to leave it, read it through the new into our world today. And the kingdom has come. We don't conquer land for God. God doesn't care that much for the property you own. Side note. Because <laughs> when he comes, boom, it'll be gone. He cares for his kingdom that comes through the use of that property. We've got to upgrade our thinking and don't think just like that. The city will be better in the city. No, God is going to use his kingdom to come. So prophetically, we've got to understand what he is saying to us, the church today. So he says more children are coming. More fruitfulness is coming away. You've got to get ready because I'm about to bring increase. And then he says, how do you get ready? Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back and lengthen your courts and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. You know what I love about this is God's prophetic declaration requires our participation. Can we move ourselves beyond God said this and he's prophesied that and, and stand back and let him just do it all? We've got to believe that when he speaks to us prophetically that he's actually given us the Holy Spirit and all that empowering that we need to effectuate that which he's been saying to us in our individual lives but even more so corporately so that the kingdom can come. And when that kingdom comes, friends, no tent will be big enough to hold it. And here's the good news. It already has come across the world. The kingdom has been spreading and has been growing ever since Jesus Christ brought the kingdom into this earth. And we are waiting in expectation for a fullness of the kingdom that is yet to arrive. So while we wait, guys, can we stretch our tent as big as possible through our participation? Say, God, in the Helderberg Basin, we believe in you for many children. We've been leaving you for much in our lives and through our lives. He says, sing, O barren woman. And in our context today, he says, sing, church, for you will see your children are coming. You will see that there's many more. And then he says, stretch out your tent, your tent, church. Stretch it out, church, for you will be spread to the right and to the left. And you will inherit the nations and you will people the desolate cities. So two thoughts that I believe is our particular vision where God is taking us at the church at the moment is praiseful expectation and prepared for expansion. Those are the two things God has for us as a community based upon this prophetic word that he's given his church so many years ago. Let's talk about praiseful expectation. He writes to the barren woman or speaks to the barren woman through Isaiah. Today we read it written down. And he says, praise as if the promise is already fulfilled. Sometimes we stop our praises because we haven't seen the fruitfulness yet. Sometimes we give half-hearted praises because it feels like we're still in that season of expectation. 
But God is calling his church, and I say to us this morning as a people, he's calling you, he's calling us in this room, he's calling us in our follow groups, he's calling us in our families, he's calling us in our various places of ministry to walk with a praise on his lips, knowing that he has promised something to come. And a year ago when we said, from this day forward, we will be every nation held a book, we have prophetically said, we are expanding our faith and are believing for this basin because we believe that God's going to add. And what a year of adding it has been. Three weeks ago when I had the joy to go and minister at every nation, Makaza, who we prayed for this morning, they have grown, they've doubled in size. Because God is a God of expectation. But can we be a people who keep our praises high even through the hard moments? Even when it feels like we are still in barrenness. And I've got to say this this morning. Can we be a praising people through the barrenness of our economy as a nation? Like we were a praising people through the barrenness of the season of COVID. And you know what that barrenness has brought? Some have left church altogether. But I'm praising God because I believe some will come back home. Can we be a people who praise God through the barrenness of socialism and what it's doing to our youth today? Can we be a people who praise God through the barrenness of the persecution of church around the world? Because in those seasons when we praise Him, regardless of our circumstances, He is building and fulfilling this promise that more fruitfulness is coming. More fruitfulness is coming, friends. So He says to us this morning, sing, sing. Children are coming. What children, you might ask? Well, let's read what Jesus said. Or what is said of Jesus in the beginning of John. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which has been his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We have a praiseful expectation for the lost in this community. We have a praiseful expectation for the prodigal sons to return home, for the lost sheep to be found, for broken hearts to be healed, and for people to come back and say, I am living in the kingdom of God, who joins this song of praise and expectation because we are children of the Most High. When you are a child of the Most High God, you're on a sure foundation. And I love what Aurika said in the beginning. You won't be caught of God 10 years down the line when something crazy happens because I'm the child of the Most High God. And all of creation is an eager anticipation, yearning for that day when the fullness of the kingdom come and the world will see these are the sons of God. Those who position themselves here as children of God. So every nation, Haldeberg, are you ready to see an increase of children? And by that I mean people that God adds to his church who's coming into the tent that is far off, that is not part of his family yet. I want to say this prophetically, that some of us might have felt a barrenness in our evangelism. 
We might have felt a barrenness in our reaching out and preaching the gospel and sharing it, even with people in our own community. And I believe we will be in a season where that barrenness will be broken and we will see weekly how spiritual sons and daughters are birthed because of this message that God is saying, sing, it is coming. Watch this space, friends. Sing, because it's coming. And here we are on the other side of this prophetic word, so for us, it's more than what it was for the people back then because we get to sing for what he's done and we get to sing about what's to come. So we sing also because once we were alienated from him, he came to us and we were his own, but we did not recognize him as our own until that day that the revelation came where he says, I want to bring you into my family. It's not just us that God wants in this room or whatever room he might put us in in the near future. There's many more out there. So if we live with praiseful expectation, I believe we will see the birthing of the sons and daughters of God that's in this community that's for us to reach. Let me read again the second part of this message. Enlarge the peace of your tent. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right, to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Prepared for expansion. God says that your children will be so many you better stretch far. You better believe that the place you are stretching for, and it's speaking about a tent that you build, because ooh, all of a sudden, there'll be many more kids. You know what it's like when a family gets a new kid? There's a whole lot of preparation so that that baby has a place to stay, right? There's preparation, there's setting up, there's getting ready. And I believe God is saying to us spiritually and prophetically, guys, start getting ready, get the house stretched out, get your homes opened up, get your hearts opened up, get your wallets opened up, get your diary opened up, because I'm going to bring kids and you better stretch so that you can bring them into the household of faith. Prepared for expansion. You do the work of preparing, I will do the work of filling you stretch the tent, I will bring the kids. Because unless the Father draws and the Holy Spirit convicts and Jesus saves, no child of God is birthed. Isn't that beautiful? We can trust in the Trinity that He actively works on the hearts of people to bring in salvation to those who need it. This message of expansion has been the message of Jesus for his kingdom and his church all along. It's nothing new, friends. I'm just reminding you that our vision is all about Christ. And if it is, we've got to follow his vision. This is his vision all along, that his kingdom will come. And as it expands, more people will join it. Have we and are we prepared for the expansion that he has for us as a community? Have you prepared for it in prayer? Trusting God for your neighbors to come to salvation. Have you prepared for it in your planning? To say, God, let my week and my life and my day not be determined by the ever-asking master 
of the economy and the social circles and system that I'm in, but let it be determined through your spirit in such a way that I'm prepared in my tent, in my heart to meet people today that I might just have to tell about Jesus. What this scripture speaks about, I believe very specifically, is three things. A people of great faith, a people of diversity, and a people of restoration. And that, I believe, is the particular message that God wants to give to each of your hearts this morning. First of all, a people of great faith, do not hold back. Strengthen and lengthen your tent, but do not hold back. That means dream a little. Dream beyond what you think is possible and could potentially happen. Dream about a place where people can come not just on a Sunday, but 24-7 to pray and praise God and be prayerful. I am dreaming that when God gives us the building, which we are working on and that's coming in the near future, mark my words, when that happens, we'll have a prayer room there 24-7. I believe for that. Why not? If it's a 24-7 prayer room and 500 of us pray for an hour a week, we'll fill those gaps like that. Dream. Stretch it as far as you want, he says. Dream what it could look like. Can we be people of great faith who doesn't hold back our vision based upon what we do and have today, but believing that with his kingdom, we can do great exploits for our king? We must stretch it out. And then we must think, it's still not far enough. I'm going to stretch it even further. And then, no, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to stretch it even further. You do the stretching. He will do the filling. That's what this message says. Can we stretch our message to more people? Can you speak to those in your workplace? Oh, yeah, but then they're going to ask me about, like, gender issues and economical issues and political things. Preach the gospel. Yeah, but they want to talk about, preach the gospel. Our message is simple. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whomsoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. The gospel is the good news that God has sent his son Jesus to live the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place to reconcile us back to him. The gospel is this idea that there's a God and there's humans and all other religions try to get to God, but in the story of Jesus, he comes to us. The servant has come. Share that. Let all the topics that I want to discuss be a little bit less important because the most important topic is on the table. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Can I introduce you to Jesus? Yes, but can I introduce you to Jesus? Let's talk about him. Let's not talk about things. So can we stretch our message to more people? Can we stretch our love to more people? Those people in your journey that feels unlovable for potentially good reasons. <laughs> Maybe bad reasons too. Can you start loving them? I had a conversation with Alika the other day about people that make it hard for us sometimes in life. And I just encourage you to say, you be the one who comes with the opposite spirit. You be the one to come with love. You be the one that says, before you do something for me, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I be a little bit like Jesus for you today and love you with that kingdom love that I get to live in? 
Can we stretch out our love? Can we stretch open our homes? Can we stretch open our homes? Not just for friends and for family, but for broken and hurt people. When I read about the first church that was birthed in the purity of the Spirit by the message of Jesus and His gospel, that has also been prophetically spoken of for years. Man, these people lifted. No one believed that any of the things they had belonged to them. That breaks my brain. Think about everything you own and think about that not belonging to you but belonging to us. Do you think there's a society that could live like that? I'm not talking about the world systems of communism and like all of that egalitarianism and all the things like. No, no, I'm talking about a kingdom that says, you know what, my home is open. So if my brother or sister battles, I'm going to do everything what I can in my house to help them. I'm going to open up my doors. I'm going to open up my cupboards. I'm going to open up my wallet. And I'm going to stretch it because the kingdom has come. I will do the stretching. God will do the filling. Can we open up our careers and stretch our careers to not see our careers only as a means of income to get through the month or as a career path that we're growing in, but our careers are given as a gift by Jesus to use for the sake of his kingdom because there too his kingdom has to come and has to be proclaimed. Can we be people of great faith? He says, Lord, we will not hold back. Where have you been holding back? Where have you been holding back because of disappointment, disbelief, distrust, all the disses, right? We've got all these disses and then we hold back. We isolate. See, so, yeah, I've got heard through this. Can we look at our Jesus again? Said that even though he was treated harshly, he never said a word. Aren't we called to be like Christ? So if our Jesus could have done it, I believe by the power of his spirit, we can try and do the same. We might make a mistake along the way. Can we stretch our faith? Secondly, a people of diversity. Your offspring will possess the nations. This is echoing the Abrahamic covenant, the very first covenant where Yahweh, God, the creator, comes to man and says, I am going to get into a real close relationship with you. And in that moment, he spoke over Abraham and said, you will be the father of many. Look at the stars, look at the sand, all the nations. And he was speaking about us. He was speaking about the people, the descendants of Abraham, the, the ones that is to come that will follow Jesus, be people of faith. You can go and read it for yourself in Galatians chapter 3. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Who's your opa? Abraham is. God said it in the beginning. By that point of time, he has chosen a specific people, Israel, to communicate his message. But if you read the Old Testament properly, you'll find that God never exclusively wanted Israel. He was always a missional God. And in fact, he spoke to Israel about the sojourners and the foreigners that they've got to open up. And so many times in the story of Israel, it is getting others to believe in this God who wants to covenant 
with man. So this is an echo of that which God has already said. And then we go to Revelation 7 verse 9 that says, In heaven, before the throne, what will we see? People of every tribe, nation, and tongue, different languages before the throne, praising God. So when we're in this room and we sing in different languages, we're not trying to be in or cool or do anything other than reflect heaven where people of diversity is standing in front of the throne. And can we as South Africans start living that to the next degree? That when we're together in faith, it is diversity. It's people from all tribes and tongues and nations. It is people from Germany. I was astounded this week by how many people from Germany lives in our community who are not sons and daughters of the Most High. And I'm stretching my faith to start reaching out to those German people that they can be part of this diversity. It is people of color. It's people of race. That's why when you see every nation, Helderberg, I want you to stretch your faith and not see this room only, but that you would see Zola, that you would see Makaza, that you would see here, and that you would prophetically see with us what God wants to do in Solari Spas and what he could even do beyond there. When God dreams of the children he wants to give his people, it is a diverse children. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I want to say this prophetically. Get ready to be surrounded by greater diversity in church. If that makes you uncomfortable, you better go to Jesus and ask him why. Because if we align to him and his vision, it has to be that. Some of that is already happening, but I believe more is coming. Can we stretch our hearts to say, God, we believe in this multicultural vision? that's what our nation is. That's why when we find ourselves in a new venue and in the next venue, although this has been such a blessing, we will be placed in a place where diversity could come. It's quite a ride out here. It's beautiful, but it's somewhat exclusive. What would our church look like if we position ourselves on Sundays and in a week in an environment where people could walk in with all their stories, with all their backgrounds, and we are accessible like that? That's what we're believing for, and believe me, it is coming. Because we see, we see this, and we say this, and you can go and read it on our website, our new website, which looks really cool if you want to, but if we say that we are a diverse church of devoted disciples who demonstrate God's kingdom in our homes, our community, and beyond. And we basically say, Lord, we want to echo the words of that first covenant. And we want to echo the words of the final moment. All peoples together in unity. That's what he has called us to. You know what I love about this verse? It doesn't only speak of a multicultural vision but it speaks of a multi-generational vision. Your children, your offspring, will possess the nations. Obviously speaks about the Abrahamic covenant and what's going to come through Christ. But you know what I love about our church? Is that we are multi-generational. 
I love the fact that we've got little babies screaming when I'm trying to preach. And I love the fact that we've got legends in the house that we can look to. And when I look at the older generation, some of them sitting over here, L. <laughs> Don't worry, Al and I are on good terms. <laughs> some of you guys are sitting elsewhere, elsewhere. <laughs> I am deeply grateful that God has given us all the generations in this church. Because these moms and dads in the faith pray for us like you wouldn't believe. They show up, even when it's sometimes hard, and the bodies are ailing, and it's difficult moments. They come to church. I want to honor you, Auntie Anne, for coming every week. We know it's a stretch, many ways, but you are our weekly attendant. She's here every week. Isn't that inspiring? And everyone around surrounding you, can we just honor that generation for a moment in our church? And if you, if you go and speak to them, <laughs> they'll tell you that these words are true because they've seen it in their life. They've seen the children come. They've seen the nations come. They've seen God take our nation through the heart, terrible, demonic plan of apartheid and change us into a place where today we can worship together. They've seen it, so they believe it. And I want to say to the young generation and the next generation, let their stories and what they've got to tell us through this journey inspire us to say, God, we believe in you for more. We believe you for the nations. The nations here but as we are every nation, the nations are brought and out there too. You guys know that we've been partnering with every nation, Belfast for a season. We still are. But that was one of the nations that was part of our inheritance as every nation here in Somerset West. To partner with them and be part of them. Which other nations does God have for us? Which other places does he have for you, for your children? Some of your children will end up being missionaries and nations that you haven't even visited yet. Because that's how this fulfilled promise will look when we stretch our faith and we believe him for diversity. And then I love this. People of great faith, people of diversity, and a people of restoration. God says, I will people the desolate cities. What are the desolate cities? Well, when he was saying this in this particular time in Israel's history, he was speaking about the cities that's been ruined by the enemy. The ruined cities, the broken down cities, the ones that haven't had a soul living in it for quite some time because it's desolate. And he says, if you stretch your faith and if you allow me to fill your tent, you will see those cities coming back to life again. And I had to think about it, praying like, God, what are the places in our own community that you want to come and fill with new life? Because we live in this conundrum of two worlds, right? In the Helderberg. We wake up, we see the beauty of the mountains, we see the beauty of the ocean, we see the beauty of the winelands. On a day like today, who cannot but stand in wonder of the beauty of God? 
But when you spend time with people, so much desolation, so many ruins, so many broken places. God says, I am a God of restoration. And I believe that is what we are called to be, our people of restoration. And I believe that God is going to help us restore the ruins of bad culture in schools. Where we will see a young generation stand up for the gospel, even though the world is throwing so much at them. Can we join the gospel narrative that God is mighty to save and that he can do his convicting and not join the narrative of the world and even act on behalf of the narrative of the world when all these onslaught on our youth happens? You know how our bri conversations and our WhatsApp conversations is all around, oh, the youth, it's so hard. It must be so difficult. And yes, it is. But I believe God has called us to reach a youth generation that will rebuild the ruins of healthy culture and schools where Jesus is Lord. I believe that God has called us to rebuild the ruins of disparity that has been brought along in our community through racism. Can we rebuild the disparity that we see when you drive down the N2? <laughs> you don't have to go anywhere else in the world. You can do it in your own town to see the greatest disparity that the world has. It's in our own town. If you go read the statistics, Somerset West, South Africa, the highest Gini coefficient rate in the world. What does it mean? It's a big word. I'm telling you, the science shows us that in our own basin, it's the greatest distance between poor and rich anywhere in the world. That's a desolate place. And we call this bridge builders. We're called to go into those places and speak about it and actually maybe represent a kind of people that look like all the Jews from all around Jerusalem, from many nations, tribes, and tongues together, having all things in common, sharing what they have with one another because they live not in their own land, in their own place, but they live in the kingdom of God. I believe for that. I believe for it in my lifetime that I will see a radical transformation in this basin breaking the ruins of disparity. Thank you, Sergio, for being with me. I hope there's more in this room. Can we restore the ruins of greed and comfort and what it's brought to families, to friends, friendships? My little space, my little thing, my little, I enjoy this. Can we believe to rebuild and restore the ruins of broken homes, broken families, broken parent-child relationships? You do get quite an awakening when you speak to the youth and you do realize that one or two of the kids in their class are the only one of two kids that comes out of a whole home. The rest are all in broken homes. God has called this church to go and desolate, to, to people the desolate places. Can we go with this message and restore relationships? Because the only way we'll restore relationships is not through endless counseling sessions and therapy. Although that's good and that helps when you do it with a professional that loves Jesus. But the restoration comes through the gospel. Didn't we read it about this, the servant <laughs> that... When he was struck down and broken so that we could be restored and healed.
Can we be a people of restoration in the ruins of mental illness and the grip it has on our community? And the list can carry on. But there's so many ruined places. And I want to have faith that because we are people of great faith, diversity, we will see God restoring and filling the desolate places with people. That sons and daughters are yet to be revealed in these places that have felt so dry for so long. I want you to get ready to see God's people in these broken places. Bringing God's gospel. Seeing God's kingdom advance. So every nation held a book. What is our vision? Well, our vision is Christ. He always is. That's why we follow him. And you never follow Jesus alone. If you've got individualism in your lineup of what it means to be a Christian, and if you only read the Bible by yourself and you never read it with others, and if you only pray by yourself and you never pray with others, you are missing out on the very thing that Christianity and church is about. It's a community that follows him together. All of the message was always written for communities to hear. All of the letters that we have in the Bible was never written for one man to read by himself, but it was to be spoken to a community of people. So we do it together, and as we do it we will stir one another's faith we will see God increase the diversity and we can go together as an army and go rebuild the desolate places so this morning I want to say this to us we are a church of praiseful expectation and we are a church of prepared for expansion and if you want to live this vision not with me please not with me not with the elders, but you want to live this vision with Christ this morning. Can we pray a prayer of consecration together? We will return to him and say, Jesus, because of you, because of the servant, we will put action to our faith. We will stretch out our cords. We will lengthen it out. We will strengthen this vision. And we believe you for these things. And if you want to pray that with me, and don't stand because everyone is standing, but I want you to stand so that we pray this together as a church this morning. Amen. Lord, I know a lot has been said through your word. A lot has been said through my words. A lot has been said amongst one another this morning. But I go back to where we started this morning. Jesus, will you have the final word over all our lives? And may that final word be love. And may we be a people that because we have a revelation of the love and what you've done for us, let the love be the fire that stokes the expectation in our hearts this morning for greater faith, for greater diversity, and to be a people of restoration. Lord, I pray for us as a church community this morning. Let that be true of us. We ask this in faith. We ask this in expectation. And we say thank you, Lord, for your promises that are yes and amen and that they are all true because of what you've done. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be the continuing one in our lives. That we would not by our might or by our own efforts, but that we would by your Spirit see this vision come 
into fulfillment. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Amen.